0: This is the Growth Enablement Madness Podcast, and here's your host, Jim Ward. Welcome to the Growth Enablement Madness Podcast. I'm Jim Ward, the CEO of BrainCell. We're a growth enablement company. Today's episode is a flashback to an awesome conversation I had with Beck Holland and John Barrows. Beck is the founder of Flip the Script and former head of sales development at Corus AI and John is an industry thought leader and sales consultant who hosts the Make It Happen Mondays podcast. The conversation happened at the peak of the COVID pandemic. and it was aimed at uh, educating folks on how to sell and prospect in a new, unique business world, which you've all become part of. The discussion topics were so valuable, I wanted to share them with you again. With that, let's jump into the discussion. <music> This is a uh, water cooler series, how to prospect and build pipeline in a new normal. And I want to introduce the folks that are with us today. We have Beck Holland, who if you look on Google or you uh, do some research on Beck Holland, flip the script, you'll find a lot of content that is free and terrific. Beck is the head of the sales development at Chorus AI. Prior, she served as a regional vice president uh, for development at G2. And she was a senior manager for inside sales at Gong. She also serves as an officer f- for the Silicon Valley chapter of AICP. Looking forward, Becky, to tell me about the AICP too, perhaps at some point. And John, uh, he's a CEO of JB Sales. You go by JB Sales. Yes, now we change it. Uh, and the author of a sales book, Is It four? Really? For Kids? I Want to Be in Sales When I Grow Up? Yep. Oh, that's terrific. Uh, okay. I grew I, up with my daughter. Yeah. I thought Sarah had it wrong. I'm like, For kids? Okay. Nope. I had enough. Children's book. Awesome. He has provided sales training and consulting services to some of the uh, world's fastest growing companies like Salesforce.com, Google, LinkedIn, Dropbox, many others. I know of him from my vendors, such as Sage Intact. uh, would be a place that we became very familiar with him. We follow all of his podcasts. His uh, previous experience spans all aspects of sales and every level, uh, from making 400 sales calls a week as an inside sales guy to VP sales at his first startup, which was later sold to Staples. So welcome.
1: Uh Beck and John, yeah.
0: thanks for joining us. Just to set sort of the well, we'll set the table in a second, but I wanted to ask both of you a question first. And this goes to both of you. We follow you both actively on LinkedIn uh and our folks, we have them follow you, by the way. To help us with sales prospecting. We attended the flip the script tour, Beck, uh, so we know about that. And uh we're regular listeners of your podcast. Hmm. John, of course, like I said, who is the one person that you each follow outside of uh, each other, perhaps? that you think somebody we, folks should be following today in the sales development
2: space, John? Yeah. In the sales development space or in general?
0: Yeah. Well, maybe in general, just what, however you feel like. You're-
2: yeah. It's uh it's funny. Uh, my mentor, Jeff Hoffman. So Jeff is somebody who started Basho, the sales training company that I joined a while back and then went off, off for a while and then came back. And after Basho kind of screwed up and everything and I took it over, I now yep. resell from him, but it's funny. I've always seen him as a mentor, but, I sat on one of his webinars recently and realized how much I have to learn. Like when we talk about sales, I talk a lot about it being an art and a science, right? I'm more of the scientist in sales. I'm not the natural born sales professional. I'm actually more of an introvert than I am an extrovert. And it doesn't come naturally for me. He is one of those ones that it just comes naturally to. And so I sat on his webinar and usually I sit on webinars and I kind of half pay attention or whatever. I within five minutes, I was like, oh my God, I I just kind of reset. Oh, like, yep, I got to pay attention. So actually now I'm developing a new webinar series with him where I'm going to be the pupil asking questions to learn. So we're going to be rolling that out in the next couple of weeks here. But yeah, he's somebody that is more known in kind of senior sales executives and bigger companies, the SDR world right now, and everybody else should be paying attention.
0: Yeah. Thanks, John. Uh, Learning is uh, never ending, right? We've got to continuously improve. So Beck. How about you?
1: Yeah, I don't know about following. I mean, there's a lot of you know industry hitters out there. One that has always I've learned from consistently, I would say, is Dan Smith from Winning by Design. I actually inherited him as a trainer um, whenever I was at um, one of my first sales tech companies, Gong, and I have gotten to collaborate with him since. And I have never met someone that I walk into a room and that I'm just like, he's just better than me, like in all regards he's faster and quicker, more acumen, more technique on and on, and that I consistently can learn from. And he makes it really easy just personally to learn from him. Um, you know, I think he just does a phenomenal job in terms of, at least in our discourse, he just has really helped challenge me along the way. So I'd say Dan Smith, and I've actually challenged him back very recently to start putting more content out on LinkedIn. Cause I'm like, I want people to know you, you know, and learn from, because you're so good. And so I'd say Dan Smith. And then outside of the sales community, I love Jack Dorsey and Anna Wintour, both. Anna Wintour is the CEO or editor-in-chief of Vogue. And she's someone that I've looked up to for a long time. So she just did a masterclass. So I'd recommend that everyone check it out. And then Jack Dorsey, I've always been a fangirl of his, um, just in the way that he operates in his mind. And seeing some of his TED Talks and the way he thinks about... Like, just common communication. If anyone's interested, I would go watch his TED Talk on how he's trying to make Twitter more useful. Like, do people get in fights or do they stay on the same topic or some of their metrics that they're running over Twitter? Those are, um, yeah, like in my network, I would say Dan Smith is is someone I learned from, but Anna Wintour and Jack Dorsey um, and then Elon Musk are probably three of
0: my biggest influences. That's great. Yeah. Hey, thanks. So, John, a question for you. You talk a lot about the need to sell and prospect even smarter right now. What do you mean by that?
2: So, yeah, I mean, we in the growth economy, I think there was a lot of warts that were hidden you know, we could get away with a lot of stuff that, that, and volume too, right? Like we could blast out a million emails and, you know, get a few responses and not really respect our prospects in that regard, like not really care about them on the other end, like whatever you're a number, I can hit it, go. And I got endless leads. I got all sorts of stuff. Now it's a time to kind of recenter. And, and Morgan is, he's on my team and him and I, he's a, he's a millennial and we always have these conversations. And he said, you know what, John, my my generation has um, grown up in a point and click world, right? Where anything we want, we can get, you know, if I want to catch up on a series, I don't have to wait for next week. I can just binge watch it on Netflix. The newest movie that pops out, boom, download it right now. If I want my favorite dinner, Grubhub shows up at my door. If I want to hit my number, I push a button, you know what I mean? And and I increase the volume in that flow here. So we don't really think about the person on the other end of the line. And I think now is a time where it's going to be a reset on on quality over quantity in every way. And from a smart standpoint, there's always the balance of quality and quantity. But from a smart standpoint, we have to start relooking at our ideal customer profile. We have to relook at the personas of the people that we're going after, mm. and figure out where are they because they've changed. If you had a, an ideal customer profile and personas that you were going after in January, they're different right now, because there's certain industries that were great for us and now are terrible for us. There's certain people within organizations that used to be able to make decisions now they can't. And so we got to increase our business acumen, we got to start giving a shit about the people that we're reaching out to and showing some respect by figuring out, first of all, resetting and saying, you've heard me say this where the, you know, there's three types of clients, right? Red, yellow, green, red, lockdown, like almost going out of business. Don't touch them. Yellow, they've settled into this somewhat new norm. They might not be making decisions, but they're maybe have time to evaluate stuff. And then green, they got to go, right? So two factors of go, like they're all of a sudden on fire, like they're selling like hotcakes because they went from a like to have to a must have or green like me, which is I got to sell my way through this. So what we have to do is we have to understand where those people are. Where are the greens now in this new world for us so that we can come after them with a very thoughtful approach about what we can do for them right now. And then the yellows, say, okay, let's take a more nurture approach to them. And then the reds just let them, you know, hopefully they'll be out there. So I think that plus understanding what these people go through on a day-to-day basis. I'm recommending a lot of my clients, like we guess a lot in sales. We guess about what your priorities are. I assume based on some bare, basic information here. And everybody's trying to figure out right now, like, okay, what do I say? Like, what's the tone that I take and how do I be empathetic, but still do my job? Well, there's, there's a group that knows that. And it's not us dipshit salespeople, it's our customers. So right now I think is a time for customer success and sales to get together and go interview some of your customers right now that fit the personas and say, hey, how have your priorities changed? What's happened in your world? What are you being now held accountable for? How's that? And then learning that from the people who are and then then going finding people like that to have those conversations with. So I think it's just a resetting of quality over quantity all day long. I do think that companies need to take a hard look at their SMB and mid-market approach at this point, because the volume play, I understand, is necessary there. But the cost of sale right there is hard to justify from a sales rep standpoint. So I think a lot of things are shifting in that regard that we can get to as well. But people ask, how do I show empathy? Personalization and relevance. That's how you show empathy. You don't show empathy by saying, hey, I hope you and your family are doing well. Like, that's not empathy. That's fake empathy, right? Right. Empathy is actually putting yourself in that person's shoes and understanding their situation. And we got to figure out how to learn that so that we can have better messaging and connect better with other people. So
0: it's really, it's about being genuine right now. Don't you think it's a, you had a podcast recently that heads, I'm not, sorry, I forget his name from mm-hmm. Vid, Vidyard yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, videos. Yeah, uh, and it <laughs> struck me that uh, that video perhaps is a great way to use uh, in your outbound approaches to get that personalization and that experience of body language. Is that something you're,
2: you're considering? Well, it's our highest response rate right now, by far. It is. Like LinkedIn video is hands down our highest conversion ratio, period. Because the way that people communicate, and this is del- Dr. Albert Munchen, dirt or something, communication model, 835, 57. 8% of the way that we read emotion and communicate is words. 35% is the tonality and how we use those words. And 57% is body language. Email is eight. Phone is 43. Face-to-face is 57. Right. So how do you want to show empathy? Show it.
0: as head of sales at uh, Chorus, what adjustments have you had your team make uh, over the last few months that continue to be successful? Because I know you've had seven times X, you know, you've done great jobs with your team. So what have you done? Things have changed?
1: Yeah, I mean, definitely. (laughs) Things have definitely changed for us. I have five things real ways that I change um, the program for the bottom up, but I won't bore you with all five. Why don't I give you – can I agree to give you three? <laughs> you
2: know?
0: Sure. By the way, you didn't bore me yesterday. For an hour, we talked.
1: You know, I think it's interesting that you know John brought up empathy, and I did a lot of reading on empathy about a year ago. And a guy called Paul Bloom, he wrote a book called Against Empathy, and there's two kinds of empathy that he goes into. There's cognitive empathy, which is I can understand your situation. And then there's emotional empathy, where you are physically entering into like that emotional reality with, the, with someone. And he talks about the damaging effects of entering into that emotional state with someone because you can make decisions based on that one situation that are against the greater good. And so when I'm thinking about our prospects, it's like when John mentions like, hey, hope that your family you know, and your kids are doing well, it's because it comes off as just gen- like in genuine because you're saying like, hey, like I really feel your pain and X, Y, and Z. So what I'm really focused on is how do my reps stay in that cognitive empathy range of understanding my prospect situation uh, in terms of what they're doing in their day-to-day and how can I make that better through my products? So the first thing that I did was I rethought the book and I would challenge everyone on the line who's, you know, selling today, like think through your prospects, new reality, think through what they're doing and how they're doing it. And then rethink your value prop in terms of how you can incorporate into their new normal. And I'll give you an example. Chorus, I was always talking about like, Hey, how can you make your sellers better? You know, you can. Highlight the best practices, double down on the great practices and eliminate the bad. Like, that's how we help companies get better. It's like, well, mm-hmm. what top performers are doing and help you emulate it. But mm-hmm. I'm like, hey, now our buyer more than ever is selling remotely. You know, you have some rep that was field selling over at Oracle for 20 years, um, you know, and they have a physical bag with them or whatever. And now they're having to understand, like, how do I sell remotely? How do I build rapport with someone? How do I like make that same experience real for someone over a Zoom link, which is a completely different skill set? So I'm going, I have pivoted all of our course messaging and value prop to not how we help sellers better, but how do we help teams remotely sell better? So increased accountability, you can understand what people are. Phone. you can coach them remotely, you can keep up collaboration between your team members whenever they're sitting in their whatever, 471 square loft, and they haven't seen a soul in a week. So that's the first thing I did is I got really gritty about understanding. I'm like, look, you know, we have a new CEO at Chorus. And I'm like, and he's judging me from unfortunately, not the last year of what happened and all our progress that we made in the 7x. But he's judging me from his experience. And reality is when he started moving on. So I'm like, it's unfortunate you know, that he came on in a pandemic, but it's a really good challenge to me of like, hey, I need to learn how to produce during a pandemic so that I can, so to speak, like impress him right off the bat. So that's the first thing I did was pivot.
2: Can I I jump in on that just real quick um, before you do two and three is same exact thing. We are sales training, right? It's skills uptick. That's typically what KPIs and skills uptick, but now exactly that same thing our thing, because now so many sales reps are working from home, we actually pivoted our messaging to motivation and engagement. Totally. Because now you got a VP of sales who's got 20 sales reps sitting at home, no idea. And look, as an SDR, for instance, one of the things that made an SDR role tolerable with all the beatings that they take, you know, they get 99 no's out of 100, right? Right. What made it tolerable was that they worked in an office and they were sitting around a bunch of other SDRs that were getting their ass kicked. And it was, like a, it, was a, it was like, oh man, did you hear that? Wow, that was a train wreck. Holy crap, let's grab a drink afterwards. And it made it tolerable. Now these kids are sitting at home by themselves in their office with their dog next to them with the only one to collaborate with. You know what I mean? And now it's just lonely ass. So now we're leaning into motivation and engagement, which is striking such a better mark. And then the other thing, I want to give everybody a tip here, which is growth economy, you can talk about growth and revenue and all this wonderful stuff. Down economy, you talk about cost savings, efficiencies. But one thing right now that is working for us is agility. And I'm going to give everybody a very tactical thing that you can do right now, which is the number one open rate that we have and the number one response rate that we have is when I simply put agility in the subject line. And then I talk about it because look, moving forward, it's not going to get less weird. Okay. Like this isn't the last pandemic we're going to face over the next 20 to 20 years. This isn't the last major disruptive thing that's going to happen to the economy. So the competitive advantage, the companies that are going to be agile and able to adjust along the way, they're going to be the ones that win. So not only the companies, but our sales teams and us as sales professionals. So I would recommend everybody think of ways to shift their messaging, as Beck said, to highlight how you can help that company that you're reaching out to become more agile moving forward. Because that is the theme right now that we're seeing at least this week, (laughs) this week, next week, it'll probably be different, but this week, that's where, and and it's all about reassessing. And like I said, actually being agile enough to realize that your value proposition has changed. The personas you're going after as priorities have changed, you know, all that stuff so that you can adjust and, creates a messaging that now resonates because if you're ba- if you're banking off what you came up with all your pitch decks and all your like ICP things and you know Sally she's a marketer and she likes uh, you know that type of crap you're going to get smoked you're not going to succeed so sorry beck i wanted to jump in before that because that's like <laughs> uh, that's oh. good that's good stuff yeah that's
1: really really helpful jim should i go into the other two or do you want
0: to buy yeah no go ahead
1: i always want to make sure i don't hog too much the, the mic, but Second thing that we've done from the sales cycle perspective that was really helpful, and I'm going to give a shout out to um, Maya over at Clary. She actually gave me the idea to do this. But the second tip I have for people is to get the CFO engaged within your deals. That's interesting. We
0: just had that conversation back.
1: Your CFO is your new buyer.
0: Right. Mm -hmm.
1: Budget cuts, and they're doing rollbacks, and Mm. they're trying prioritize what actually makes it across the line so if you're only sticking with you know for example our icp is a vp of sales and it's like maybe in a different world you know they were the sole decision maker and they were the person that they're the, you know the head honcho He or her you know is that head honcho in terms of who makes the decision but now you know, they're saying, hey, Chorus looks great. That's awesome. Da da, da. Yeah. And they go to the CFO and they're like, hey, I need you to write a check for this. And all of a sudden there's this big, long multi-tier discussion on do we need this right now, especially during a pandemic. And so, you know, for us over here at Chorus, it's like, and I think everyone in the sales world, it's like it called into question all the deals that you currently have in cycle of do we actually need this And the number one buyer that's important, regardless of if you sell into a CFO traditionally or not, you know, now becomes a CFO. So I think getting the CFO engaged and go ahead, Jim.
0: I was going to ask you a question. So about the CFO, which I totally agree with you. What is it that you're positioning with a CFO? I have a feeling I know what you're going to say, but what would be the positioning?
1: Yeah, so I think I want to keep it general for people just on the line in general, but for us, everybody. Or thinking through the CFO and like how it can help them in their day to day. Like, how could it improve sales numbers and how could improve pipeline and how could improve X, Y, and Z help a CFO do their day to day better? And it's like, well, when it comes down to it, a CFO is reporting, right? Just like sales ops is, it's reporting, but it, there's no bigger bummer to be reporting on numbers that where we aren't hitting our metrics, right? So it's like we have been taking collateral, we have been putting pitch decks together, we have been putting an active multi-thread strategy together, and even over here at Chorus, we've gone so far as to say, okay, within our CRM, is the CFO engaged? And they have to click yes or no, and over a certain amount of deals, they have to have the CFO engaged because when we are closing during this pandemic, it's because the rep was multi-threading. They knew there was multiple yeah. stakeholders, not only within the traditional des- disciplines of Chorus, but mm-hmm. that the financial buyer is a new bottleneck or advocate within this new company. Ki- are dying yeah, to say don't
2: say point on that because agreed agility is actually the message that is resonating with CFOs with us too but that said there's a unfortunately for like inexperienced reps the assumption is that CFOs only care about budget and that is not true that is absolutely not true so this is why going back to business acumen call you know if you're a sales leader listening to this right now i i implore you i beg you to call up some of your customers and ask them if they would do a, a just a friday afternoon lunch and learn with your team and get them on a call and ask them, what are you looking at right now? In addition to budget, which is obvious, what, how, how are you thinking? Have your reps read job descriptions of CFOs in industries to see what they're being held accountable for. Google CFOs, SaaS industries, priorities, challenges, 2020, COVID-19, see what comes up. Because if you just assume that CFOs care about budget and that's what you're going in at, yeah, again, that's not going to be an interesting conversation with them unless you can save them a shitload of money for a very similar solution. Like, but that's not a CFO discussion. You right. know what I mean? So I think it, it goes back to business acumen. It goes back to caring, and it goes back to having empathy for that role. And so really right now, those are the exact type of things that we need. Here's like an example. Here's how I know business acumen is not – most sales reps don't have good business acumen. I've trained a hundred thousands of reps, a lot of them who sell technical solutions to technical people, right? So C-level, right? CIOs, right? And I sit in front of 30, well, I used to sit in front of 30 or 40 sales reps. And it's like, oh yeah, you guys got business acumen, right? Good. Okay, let me ask you, who in here knows the difference between a CTO and a CIO? <laughs> Crickets. And I'm talking like 20-year vets, Like 20-year vets in sales who have sold technical solutions to technical people can't articulate the difference between a CTO and a CIO. Now, don't get me wrong. At the mid-market level, CTOs and CIOs usually kind of share a, you know, it's usually the one role. But once you get to the enterprise, there is a distinct difference between a CTO and a CIO. And if you don't even at least understand that, look, I'm not ever going to pretend like I know what a CIO does on a day-to-day basis. I didn't go to school to be a CIO. I don't live the life of a CIO. But I want to know enough to understand, to have contextual questions. So I can say, instead of tell me about your priorities, which is the stupid, lazy sales rep approach, I can say, hey, you know what? We're typically dealing with CIOs in healthcare right now. And with this COVID thing, right? Some of the top things that we're hearing from them of what they're focused on are X, Y, and Z. Are those yours? Even if they're not, the fact that you show you know their world a little bit tends to open up the conversation way more than it would otherwise. That's great. Awesome. Back to number three.
1: Yeah. Number three, (laughs) number three for everyone on the line. I think it's interesting right now. You have to be very careful (laughs) with your messaging. It's like, if you mention COVID, then everyone thinks you're monetizing a pandemic. If you don't mention COVID, they're like, are they tone deaf? Like, do they not know what's going on right now? So I deployed within our messaging for each email or call that we're making what I call the push pull technique. We're aiming for balance within the message. So we say, like, hey, reason for my outreach is, you know, I saw you wrote this article on LinkedIn, blah, blah, blah. one quote that set up to me is X, hooking it to the value prop in the middle, asking for the CT and sticking the landing, you know, in the third line. And then in the fourth line, we've already pushed for what we want, right? And so we're pulling back in the fourth line and we're saying, either way, keep the good content coming, you know, hope that you're safe during this time and like big fan of your team or whatever, like whatever you want to put in that last line. But for Mm -hmm. my, you want to give your buyer some reprieve in that last line, like, hey, this is what I want, you know, and it's based on this. And this is why I think it'd be worth, arguably, respectfully, some of your time to jump on a call about this thing. But even if you don't want to take a call with me, it's okay. Even if you don't buy from me, I hope that you're well. So you're not mentioning it at the beginning of your message, like, hey, why I'm calling, because then people are like, are they monetizing COVID? But you want to give your buyer some reprieve of like, even if you don't buy from me, even if you can't give me what I want, even if there's nothing in it for me, you know, to, to speak, either way, I hope that you're doing well. And I like, I'm a big fan of your team, even if you don't buy from me, like I keep the good co- content coming. So I think it gives this kind of flavor to your prospect of like, It's okay if you don't buy and it's okay if it's not the right time. So there's not so much pressure like your relationship is instigated only on a whatever that they're going to jump on a call for you.
2: And that leads to the call to action piece. So what we're finding right now, I used to be the biggest like proponent of, if you want something, ask for it. You know what I mean? Don't be fluffy with your ask. Don't say stuff like let me know or any of that stuff. Because if you want like ask, hey, what's the best way to get 10 minutes on your calendar? When are you free for a call? Be specific, right? Agreed. Um, I've actually backed way off of that. Way off of that. Now we're treating when we're outreach to somebody, right. When we go after them again, it's and Beck knows this better than anybody. It's not about the one email. It's not about the one voicemail. It's about the contact strategy. It's about the story that we tell them. So I'm going to recommend everybody think of what that story sounds like and treat it almost as a conversation. Like Gary V has this book called jab, 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 right hook, right. Which is add value, add value, add value, then ask. I will say, I think it's a little weird right now for reps to just be sharing content with me, like mm-hmm. as the first touch. I think that's odd. Like I've never heard, of, yeah. Like I've never heard of you before, and you're gonna send me a 39 page ebook and be like, what the, f-? like who are you? What? So you lead with, what? but you adjust your call to action to a conversation. So what happens is exactly what Beck said there. Uh, hey, I, you know, do a little bit of personalization. I saw your post. I, I read this. I wanted to chat with you. Let me know if that's worth a conversation. And then the follow-up from that is, hey, by the way, here's a case study based on what I said earlier. Is that something of interest to you? So it's almost you're putting it in their court to come to you as opposed to forcing. Like, you know, because there's three kind of calls to action. One is a direct, hey, are you free tomorrow at three o'clock, right? I've personally never had success with that, but so I've never used it. Or what I always used to use was the open-ended call to action, which is, hey, when are you free for a call, right? but the thing that that everybody right now is so i mean now more than ever time is the most precious asset that any of us have and so when you ask for my time it's almost like this like uh i don't like i don't want to give you my time but if you ask for a response in a conversational type of thing you actually might be have somebody to be a little bit more open to engaging with you yeah. and so i would encourage a lot of people to think of it as a as a one way conversation But as a conversation and not always be like, hey, what's the best way to get 15 minutes? What's the best way to get 15 minutes? What's the best way to get 15 minutes? Like warm them up a little bit. You know what I mean? I mean, our most successful uh, cadence right now is, hey, you know, research, whatever. A lot of our clients are having a hard time figuring out that right tone of prospecting versus empathy and all that other stuff. And we got some cool stuff that we're doing right now remotely with onsite training or with online training that, that we're using to address that. Let me know if your team's having a similar challenge. Then after that, I sent them a case study of a, of something that I did with a client like literally two weeks ago. It wasn't a case. It's a testimonial that said, whoa, that remote training was even better than on-site and it actually got my rep super engaged. So it's a super sweet little testimonial that's relevant to them. So that's right. where I send it to them and I don't, there's no call to action. Hey, by the way, on that email that I sent, I reply all to it. By the way, here's a case study of a client that we just did some remote training that addresses that need. And then the next one is, Hey, what about motivation and engagement? Is that something that's inter- that you're having a challenge with? I'd like to have a conversation with you, but it's never like a hardcore like I gotta sell to you, I gotta sell to you. And that's where we're seeing the nurture factor get people to eventually say, okay, let's in- let's have this conversation.
0: That's excellent, John. How do they get a hold of you if they want you for sales training? You got a remote sessions you've created now online, I think, too.
2: Yep. JBarrows.com. we got a new website, a whole new on-demand platform. So if you go to training for individuals, you'll see it. It's going out there for 420 You get everything that I own for 420 bucks a year because I like that number. Um, hey, you too. Yep. And uh, weed's legal here in Massachusetts, so suck it if you're going to judge right. me on that. Um, yeah. And yeah, Instagram both. is actually the best way. If you want free consulting, free training, John M. Barrows with an M as in Michael. John M. Barrows. That's my handle on Instagram. That's where I'm doing most of my free consulting and coaching right now.
0: Beck, how do they get a hold of you? Call me. <laughs> call you. Okay. And you're at um, Chorus.
1: I'll call one 800 back. Just kidding. Um, <laughs> if you go to uh, Beck Holland on uh, LinkedIn. Uh, you can find me there. And then I do, like to mention I do a uh, free, ungated, unmonetized series called Flip the Script on YouTube. So if you just the, it, sounds so narcissistic. I'm really sorry to all the people left on the line. If you Google be- Beck Holland, Flip the Script, then it should okay. be And I have about 25 videos there.
0: All right. So I am so grateful to have both of you. You're both stars in my mind. We all follow you. I encourage everybody on that's listening to us, follow these folks. They have insights that uh, my team uses all the time. They're keeping us on the edge. I thank you so very, very much from brainstorming the whole team here. I wish you well. Have a wonderful day. Stay sane. See you at 420.
2: Yeah, exactly. I'll
1: be there. Right. Thanks, everyone.
0: Bye. And there you have it. Beck and John were a pleasure to talk shop with. The convo uncovered a variety of valuable new ways for my team, and I hope you as well, to prospect and sell in a new normal. I'd like to thank Beck and John for chatting with me. Links to their work will be available in this podcast description. Davino Podcast for this podcast production and distribution. Musical introduction and outro by Sam Ward. And to our wicked awesome producer, Brian Anderson. Please be sure to subscribe to our podcast everywhere and anywhere podcasts are available, including Spotify, Apple iTunes, Google Podcasts, and more. New episodes are available monthly and cover all important topics for growing businesses and scaling them too.